Give me a mic check, Richard. Mic check, one, two, sibilance. Yep. Okay. All right, hold on. Let me check it again. Mic check, one, two, sibilance. That's the best you've ever sounded. All right. Uh, you guys ready to do this? Yeah. In the uh, in the words of my hero, Taboo, of the Black Eyed Peas, let's get it started. Ladies and gentlemen, grab your flare gun. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barden. And this is Mad uh, About Puff Daddy. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. Every week, we discuss movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and break down a movie of the week. But don't worry if you haven't seen it, because we will warn you with a spoiler alert. And please stay tuned till the end of our show for weekly recommends, in which each of us hosts gives you something to check out ASAP. And remember, you can find... All of our past episodes on madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian Gill? This week we're going to be talking about Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're talking about new Godzilla. I want to talk to somebody in charge. You are not fooling anybody when you say that what happened was a natural disaster. You're lying. It was not an earthquake. It wasn't a typhoon. Because what's really happening is that you're hiding something out there. It is going to send us back to the Stone Age. So, guys, it is a good thing. It's a really good thing that Legendary chose to release uh, Godzilla last week. Because there's seriously no way, in my mind, that they can compete with Adam Sandler's Blended this weekend. (laughs) I mean, how do you... How do you uh, get better than uh, Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore? I mean, that's that's just a classic combination. It is, and the hype is just huge too. <laughs> I mean, the anticipation. Five. I haven't even heard about X Men. Like, honestly, <laughs> oh man, Ugh. somewhere there's there's a guy there's somebody who just tuned into our show for the first time, and they're really excited about Blended, and uh, <laughs> we just like to tell that person to stop listening. You know yeah. what I would I would like to do is. Um, you know, there's that website that tells you like when what minutes there's nudity in in movies, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. This is a service because America is the greatest country in the world. People make money on things like this. Um, I want one that's like an Adam Sandler type movie website where I can go in and it'll tell me like every minute mark that Terry Crews is in this. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So I can be like, okay, well at 33 minutes, he has a four minute scene. I'll, I'll show up then. I'll watch those yeah. four minutes. Then I'll go do something else. And then 20 minutes after that, he shows up again. Like, I feel like that would be a service. Yes. Um, like crappy movies with awesome actors and went in minimal parts uh, that we can see. I think that'd be useful, right? If you start that, Richard, if you start that uh, start that up, I will invest. <laughs> yeah, put it on Kickstarter because I'm a Kickstarter investor now, so we can uh, we can make that happen. Um, I I love the idea of being in the audience when somebody is performing that sort of duty because like I'd really <laughs> it would be very interesting to watch somebody watch you 
sit down 22 minutes into the movie, get up and leave after three minutes, come back in at 42 minutes, leave again after three minutes. And just like the person like trying to figure out what's happening here. And yeah, somehow that would piece, be, uh, it would be enjoyable. They piece it together. Like, this guy's a huge Terry Crews fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the guy. He's the one. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, before we talk Godzilla, uh, there is no mm-hmm. shortage of stuff to talk about. So let's talk a little bit of movie news. Let the filibustering begin. Uh, So y'all want to start off with the good news and the bad news. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start uh, with the good news, because we're optimistic people here. Okay. Well, since we are, have been anointed by Lucas himself, George Lucas, that is, uh, as the official podcast of Star Wars, uh, there's a little bit of of juicy Star Wars news uh, to report this week. Um, We've got a little bit of possible tentative release calendar uh, all the way up until 2020 for the Star Wars franchise. And so, uh, guys, I'm going to go through this list, and, you know, this is all tentative. The rumor is that um, Disney and the Star Wars people have had discussions with Hasbro, who is the official license partner for... Uh, the toy section of their business. And uh, usually they have to meet, you know, years ahead of time to start designing toys and uh, sort of get um, their calendar worked out as well. And so according to a recent meeting, they have confirmed or tentatively confirmed um, the release calendar until 2020. So coming this fall, an animated series, Star Wars Rebels. Okay. 2015, Star Wars Episode Seven. 2016, standalone film, Boba Fett. What? 2017, uh, Star Wars Episode Eight. 2018, uh, solo film, Han Solo. No way. 2019, Star Wars Episode Nine, And 2020, a uh, film with the working title, Red Five. Whoa. So, Brian Gill... Dude, um, huge Star blown. Wars fan. Yes, um, I was I was absolutely giddy when I saw this, and I, I couldn't wait to break it to you guys and to, and to the podcast listeners. Um, just give me your initial thoughts of of this announcement. I can tell you're excited. I am. That's uh, that's kind of the perfect release calendar. Like smart smart move on those guys' part, the way that they scheduled that out. Uh, I want we're, we knew we were getting a trilogy. Doing it every other year is smart. And filling in those those other years with, I think, that's definitely the two, I, I would say, the, the two standalone films that I would guess most Star Wars fans are would be most excited about. Boba Fett and then a Han Solo, hopefully Chewbacca. Uh, or Jar Jar. Shut mm, up. Fingers crossed. Uh, Mute his mic. Uh, <laughs> That's the only comment Richard ever has for Star Wars. This is Jar Jar related comments. So it's the only character I know. Yeah. It's the only one yeah. that matters. <laughs> um, and then I guess the the standalone would be like an X Wing uh, Squadron spinoff. So yeah. man, that sounds awesome. I'm super stoked, Kent. Thank you for making my day so much better. I'm I'm very excited about this. Right. And so the biggest question mark here is probably uh, Red Five. Which, yeah. uh, if you remember, if you're a Star Wars fan, you'll remember that is Luke Skywalker's call sign um, in A New Hope when they're destroying the Death Star. Mm. And so I imagine, like you said, Brian, it'll be some sort of squadron-related film. Maybe, um, 
I don't know, this is George Lucas, but like a Red Tails type movie, you know? It's got a mm. it's got the word red in there already. So I'm I'm assuming it'll be, you know, centered around the rebels and um what it takes maybe to become an X-wing fighter or something like that. Yeah, there's a video game series and a series of books, I think too. Okay. Based on the uh the X-wing squadron. Right. Yeah, I do remember so. the video game now that you mentioned that. And so that's that's probably the most exciting news to me. I mean, that's six years away um, right now as we're talking, and you know, six films away, literally, yeah. or six releases away. So that that's probably the most exciting to me. Uh, another question mark here: uh, the Han Solo film in 2018. Um, how much is Harrison Ford going to be involved with this? Uh, of course, he is Han Solo, but I mean, you can't really do an origin story with a guy that's going right. to be like 70 years old. Yeah, I would guess you got a young Han Solo, which would be very interesting. Uh, you get a young guy. Hopefully Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> maybe. So my guess is that they'll do maybe sort of an uh, X-Men Days of Future Past type um, thing where Harrison Ford is still in it, but maybe he's f- having flashbacks to his youth. Yeah. And that's when we get the origin story of the young Han Solo. I mean, that's that's how I can see in my mind that working good. Because it's going to be a hard sell to sell Han Solo without Harrison Ford in it a little bit. You know, he doesn't have yeah. to be the star, but he, he needs to be in the movie because uh, he's so closely associated with uh, that character. So that's exciting for me. The Boba Fett movie as well. Um, we got a little bit of Boba Fett origin in the prequels. Um, none, not really exciting. We got more Jango Fett in the prequels. We got Boba Fett as a kid, which was awful. If you've ever seen a Patton Oswalt stand-up bit, I don't know if you guys have seen it. Yes. Uh, he does yeah. a bit where he wants to go back uh, in 1995 and convince George Lucas to not uh, write the prequels. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, George Lucas is like, yeah, I'm going to write the prequels. You know, we're, we're going to – you like Boba Fett? Oh, yeah, I love Boba Fett. Well, you get to see him as a little kid. <laughs> well, that doesn't sound awesome at all, actually. <laughs> He's just kind of – then his parents get killed and he's sad. Yeah, with Anakin. Oh, you like yeah. Darth Vader? Darth Vader's in it too, except you get to see him as a little kid. <laughs> Awful. Uh, so hopefully they've learned their lesson on that front. Yeah. And um, they'll make it about Boba Fett, uh, the, the Boba Fett we all know and love. So Richard Barden, what are your initial thoughts on this entire release calendar? Well, I, I don't know uh, what a Boba Fett is, but I'm excited. No, I do, of course. Um no, this is going to be I – mean, obviously, it's it's straight out of Marvel. You know, that yeah. just as Disney and Marvel have already had. Um, you guys – I mean, I'll see all these movies and I'll like them, I'm sure. But I, I can't anticipate them like you guys can just because I don't have that kind of breadth of knowledge. I mean, I've seen every Star Wars movie. but uh, So I can only talk to it from kind of a, I don't know, business sense of it. But I think, yeah, it's it's it definitely has the fan base like Marvel to carry – um, those I can't wait till we start here. I mean, some of those are pretty quick. I like, 2016 is not far away, right? And that's when. Wait, yeah. when is the Boba move? When's the first? Okay. Boba Fett is 2016. Yes. So it'll be summer, right? I assume summer or Christmas. Yeah. We think we think uh, episode seven is going to be Christmas next year, correct? Yeah, and uh, if depending on if the same crews are involved, I imagine it'll okay. be two years between films. So Christmas maybe every year. I, I assume we're going to have some summer releases in here. Yeah. Um, it was a script issue that kept this one and forced it to Christmas. It would be yeah, summer yeah. 2015. It was initially planned that way, but um, so so we'll have six months between Star Wars and Boba Fett, right? It seems that way. Yeah, wow, that's pretty. Could be. 
So they sh- that we should start hearing if this is accurate. Um, something I would say imminently on that because I would uh-huh. I would expect that they would have to start production on that. Yeah, confirm a director, get a script together, and everything. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, man, I'm super excited about this. You know, hopefully it, it ends up panning out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I can get on board with several other ideas for solo movies, um, standalone Star Wars films, but I think this is a good way to start um, that process, considering we haven't had any Star Wars standalone films other than what's uh, involved in the canon. So, man, really exciting, like I said, and you know, we'll, of course, keep everyone up to date, all our listeners, with more announcements as they come out. Um, as far as Episode 7 production... Um, it is officially started at Pinewood Studios and in Abu Dhabi, where they yeah. are currently filming. They have been releasing uh, set photos uh, very slowly, and uh, they released like um, a picture of outside Pinewood that had a big VII uh, now filming sign out there. So that's exciting. J.J. Uh, Abrams released a video today where fans can donate money to UNICEF and for a chance to win a walk-on role in Star Wars Episode Seven. So definitely check that out if you are interested in that type of thing. And he did a video interview from the set when he made the announcement, and it's from Tatooine, and uh, it's a practical set. It looks great. It's outdoors. And uh, as he's making the announcement, a creature walks by (laughs) that is freaking awesome. Uh, Practical effect uh, costume creature that's uh, sort of a merchant-type alien creature, and it looks freaking fantastic. So, um, you know, that's obviously a little hint at where things are going with this film, and uh, that's really exciting. Brian, did you see that little video? I did. I, uh, I clicked it, and I, I, I threw in a few bucks towards UNICEF. It was a cool cool, cool deal, and uh, the creature creation was really cool, too. I, I'm just so stoked to get Star Wars with at least some uh, practical effect and not all just CGI puking um, the way all the prequels were. Like, that creature – like that. It, that gave me great hope. If I didn't already have incredible hope for this, a, a new hope, one would say. Ah. <laughs> I, uh, I would say maybe even a, a, a renewed hope. I, uh, hey. um, anyway, no, that was very cool. Jar Jar. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. I, I agree, and um, you know, it just shows where the production design is at too. And I mean, as a character, it's a it's a creature that looks like it came right out of the Star Wars universe. So pretty accurate the way they're doing things and uh you know couldn't be more excited about episode seven next year well let's move on and let's talk a little bit of bad news guys or i guess um unexciting news on our on our part um official title released for batman versus superman or the man of steel sequel whichever you uh, prefer official title is batman v superman Dawn of Justice. God, please kill me. I don't. I can't do it, guys. Don't. <laughs> Not Batman versus Superman. Batman v Superman. Which is a very important, which makes sense, as you guys know, legal case in our history. Uh, Batman v Superman. So a lot of <laughs> really important precedents that we still use today. It's yeah. It's a two and a half hour courtroom drama. <laughs> uh, the city of Gotham versus Clark Kent. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I just wanted to be in the meeting where, like, guys, what about Batman v Superman? No, no, why? How about Batman versus Superman? No, really, it has to be V, guys. It has to be V. Like, it, there's no logic used in that at all. 
Oh. And uh, Dawn of Justice is obviously a teaser for the Justice League, which is coming you know, right after that. And uh, it's like they couldn't decide between Batman versus Superman and Dawn of Justice, so they just put them together. And um, I think Dawn of Justice is a fine name for a movie without the Batman v Superman aspect. The, the Batman v Superman title, to me, is just an opening weekend box office ploy uh, to get people hyped up about the film. Not exciting at all in, in my eyes. Uh, just extremely predictable. And um, like you'd have to be seven years old to be like super psyched about this movie, in my opinion. Um, like, what's going to happen? Ba- Batman's going to be like fighting Superman, and then Superman's just going to fly away. And be like, well, fight's over, guys. See you guys, <laughs> See you guys later. Like, how? There's just no way that this is going to be um, somewhat believable. And I know that sounds crazy with the superhero movie, but what's so attractive about Marvel's films is that there's a little bit of an element of reality attached to them. And, uh, you know, just the um, thought of Batman and Superman fighting just doesn't make any sense to me at all. So, Brian Gill, thoughts on Dawn of Justice? (laughs) I I think... I just want to like tape myself and just replay it every time we have Batman v Superman news. And because I hate this, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to see this movie. There's nothing good. It, every bit of news that they give us it's makes great. me dislike it more. So, and I, and, and then I'm like, I can't, I can't hate it any more than I already do. And then they give us that title. Okay. I hate it more. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, this is going to suck guys. It, there's no, there's just no there's no way this can be a good movie. And at this point we're looking like this could be something that makes Daredevil look like a great superhero movie. That's yeah. kind of where yeah. I'm leaning at this point. That's a good call. That's true. Richard, thoughts on Dawn of Justice? Psyched. Psyched. <laughs> psyched. Really psyched. Um no, I am because I love train wrecks. And the one thing I wouldn't yeah. want this movie to be is like boring bad. And luckily for us, it looks like it's going to be like, you know, a, a terrorist attack bad. Um, yeah. So that is exciting. Um, <laughs> I can't wait for our podcast. Yeah. But I'm going to go in with an open mind because Zack Snyder's always delivered. <laughs> True. And so I have that. And you know what? Above all, you know, he's a good visual director. And uh, that's been said numerous times by many of critics, not just us. But more than anything, Zack Snyder gives us characters that we can care about, you know, and that's and that's what I have most anticipation for is just getting to know these characters on a personal level. I mean, one of the, I mean, as a film critic, one of the toughest jobs I've ever had to do is uh, pick my favorite of the women from Sucker Punch um, yeah. when writing my review. I mean, that was really difficult because uh, I, I just baby dollar sweet pea, Brian. <laughs> Those are real names, not Spice Girls, by the I way. Know, Those I are, know. They're actual it's characters. So it's like, Zach, maybe you should stop hanging out in strip clubs all the time. I feel to name your characters better. Yeah, that's true. So pumped. This, is, this might be more anticipated than, than Star Wars for me. Yeah, you're right, for opposite reasons. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Not because I think it's going to be good, but like I'm really starting to get excited. And I, I think, I mean, I don't know. Affleck, he's... He's fought so hard to come back, and this could be another nail. You know your movie is in bad trouble when the the only image you've released from the film has become a meme already. <laughs> a yeah. sad Batman is already a meme. So go go Google that if you haven't checked Gosh. that out. Guys, knowing what we know regarding Batman v Superman, 
which I love. I'm only going to call it Jeez. Batman v Superman from now on. Knowing what we know now regarding that movie, what would you rate your anticipation higher for? <laughs> Batman v Superman or Now You See Me Too? <laughs> now You See Me Too. No question. <laughs> Richard? No question for me. Oh, man. Um, I think I would have to rank them in terms of anticipation for me. Um, Batman 1, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice 1. Uh, now You See Me 2, and then The Birth, birth of My Firstborn 3. It's probably <laughs> be my rankings, if I'm, be, if I'm being honest. <laughs> what are we going to do if Now You See Me 2 and Batman v Superman come out the same weekend? <laughs> Have a great weekend. Great, greatest weekend in Jesse Eisenberg's life, by the way. That oh, that's right. Jesse Eisenberg's oh. in this. Yeah. So much crap has come out about this movie. I actually forgot that. Yeah, he is. Uh, so that is the the Batman v Superman news for this week. <laughs> I, love, I love this title. It could. I literally think of a court, your courtroom drama thing is so spot on. I'm I'm really excited. <laughs> um, a little bit of exciting news, guys. Before we talk Godzilla, uh, that I want to mention. Uh, the J.K. Rowling um, series, the Harry Potter spinoff series, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, uh, production is you know starting pretty soon for a new trilogy of Harry Potter-related films. And the first director <laughs> has been rumored... Uh, uh, please be Chris Columbus. Come on. <laughs> uh, the first director that has been rumored to be attached, the one and only... Alfonso Cuaron. Oh, yes, yes. He did yes, my favorite yes. Harry Potter movie. Yes, right. So, me being the person who's only seen the first Harry Potter film, uh, what can you guys offer me as far as uh, your excitement? What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean that's the I think the best Potter bo- movie, and uh, and I love everything he did about. That's what turned me into a fan of his, actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't wait. I mean, that would be it. that would be my number one choice. I think for the source material. Yeah. Cool, Brian. Yeah, uh, spot on. The third one is probably my second favorite of the movies. I like. I I love the uh, the seventh. I guess it's seventh and yeah. eighth, but it's really one movie. That that's my that's probably my favorite. But uh, the third one is the movie that takes it from a kids yes. feature into uh, you know really darker, grittier, uh, adult oriented stuff. Um, and it's, it's so stinking good. It's so good. Uh, so yeah, this is a, this would be a huge get for, for that film and that franchise for sure. Considering I haven't seen, like I said, the majority of the Harry Potter films, uh, it excites me just from a directorial standpoint, you know, coming off gravity. I assume this will be his next directorial film, um, after gravity. I mean, that's, it's obviously different material in a very different genre, but um, I think he gained a lot of fans with Gravity alone, and this yes. is going to be a big deal. And uh, like I said, or like Richard mentioned, it probably would be my, my number one at this point for yeah. given the source material. So maybe uh, Guillermo del Toro too would be up there for me for this. But yeah. uh, well, we one can only dream and hope. Yeah, yeah, he circled he circled Harry Potter movies like three times. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Del Toro and Cuarón are almost partners. Really. Yeah. They run you know pretty much every idea they have off each other, and uh, so I imagine if Cuarón ends up signing on for this, that you know Del Toro will have a, at least a producer's 
um, type role in it. So that's exciting as well. Yeah. So one more thing, one more really exciting news I want to mention before we jump headfirst into Godzilla talk. Um, we mentioned a couple weeks ago that Steven Spielberg yes. is going to direct the BFG, the Roald Dahl uh, book adaptation fantasy adventure starting in 2015. So filming is going to start, I'm assuming, in January of 2015 for that. And so given the time right now of May, that leaves the entire rest of the year and the fall to do another project if he so desires. And um, so he's been circling a project for a while, and it looks like it's going to happen. Um, Steven Spielberg is making a KGB drama uh, with Tom Hanks attached as in the lead. Yes. And so the... Uh, script has been confirmed, or the writer has been confirmed. Writing the Steven Spielberg KGB drama for Tom Hanks is the Coen Brothers. Yep. Yes. So, Brian, yes. thoughts? Very excited. I if you didn't bring this up, I was going to uh, I was going to pitch it as a thirty for thirty with uh, like, what if I told you Steven Spielberg was going to direct a movie <laughs> starring Tom Hanks, written by the Coen Brothers. About the Cold War, like exactly. that's yeah. that sounds awesome to all of us. Like that's, yeah. that's the best. So can't wait. This is I'm really I'm really excited about the Coen Brothers doing this bit where they're writing movies occasionally that they're not directing. Like that's a that's a great way for us to get obviously for us to get more and more Coen Brothers stuff out there. Uh, I I'm so stoked for this. This will be this will be high on my list. Whatever it comes out, this will be very, very high on my list of anticipated films for sure. Can't wait. Looks sounds awesome. Richard, thoughts? Yeah, I was reading that earlier. I couldn't wait to talk about it. Uh, that's that's you know just more stuff to see in 2015. So that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Dearth <laughs> of dearth of material. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm yeah I, I'm obsessed with the Cold War. The Cold War is my favorite. Uh, War to kind of—I mean, all wars are awful, but my favorite war to study and think about. And I like the uh, War of 1812 myself, but sure. That's just because your your action figures are, are from that period. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, this is that. I mean, how many Oscars is this thing going to win? Right? right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we get to look forward to Tom Hanks with a Russian accent, which is always entertaining. <laughs> I think we got something similar in the terminal. If I don't, yeah, I was going to say. Believe. I think he was from some Eastern Bloc in the terminal. But what's even weirder to think about is that Spielberg and Tom Hanks haven't worked together since Catch Me If You Can, which was eleven years ago. I think was it Terminal? Point. Terminal was after, oh, Terminal was after that. Okay, yeah, my bad. But still, yeah, it's been ten years. So yeah, exactly ten years from now. So it's been ten years since they worked together, and man, it seems like they worked together a lot. But I guess they did back in the day, Saving Private Ryan and. Catch me if you can in the terminal, mm-hmm. but uh, always, always look forward to them teaming up for something because you know it's going to be great. And so I guess we will see this year, um, sort of what the Coens are going for here. They they wrote Angelina Jolie's Unbroken, which is coming out this uh, Christmas, a World War II drama, and uh, so we'll see a sort of a similar. Uh, I guess see what they do with their not their own idea, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know the Unbroken is an ad- was an adaptation of a book, and uh, Joe Lee wasn't too stoked on the screenplay, and so she brought in the Coen Brothers uh, to to fix things up, like you do. So there's like I think five screenplay credits right now for Unbroken. So we'll see if the the Coens ended up fixing that movie, but 
like you guys said with with Quaron, I think you know number one choice here would be the Coens. You know, yeah. uh, maybe like Aaron Sorkin, considering it's Cold War and it's going to be a lot of talking. I, I assume dialogue. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's probably number one, uh, and Sorkin's probably number two for for the source material. So, man, Coens are my favorite. You know, filmmakers, writers. So anything yeah. that they're involved in is um, usually. Um, leapfrogs to number one on my most anticipated for that given year. Yeah. So hugely, hugely anticipated for me. 2015 is just getting ridiculous. I mean, we talked about a lot of movies coming out, but we haven't really discussed many Oscar caliber type films right. coming out that year. Some so blockbustery stuff. Yeah. Huge. Awesome. Awesome news. And, you know, one we'll definitely love to discuss, I'm sure. So all the uh, political nerds look forward to our Cold War talk <laughs> coming in. Coming in 2015. Mm, some say the war is still ongoing. Yeah, <laughs> it never ends. Um, guys, anything else you want to mention for movie news before we move on? This isn't movie news, but I just read this. It came across, Brian. I don't know if you saw it. That uh, Jack White was asked to guest on Yeezus, but it didn't work Whoa. out. Whoa. Whoa. What would have happened? Whoa. The greatest uh, m- moment in music history, maybe? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, my Sorry. goodness. I know it's not a music podcast. I just couldn't let that just go unreported. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. All right, guys. Let's move on and let's talk Godzilla. In 1954, we awakened something. There's nuclear tests in the Pacific. Not tests. They were trying to kill it. 
So guys, Brian especially, I know that you had marked this movie as your most anticipated movie of the mm-hmm. summer. Yep. And, behind, uh, Tammy. behind Tammy. Behind Tammy, of course. Of course. Um, so, you know, huge anticipation level uh, from all three of us uh, with this one. Man, guys, I, I sat in this movie for the majority of it with just like, I saw this on a huge screen in 3D. Yeah. And my jaw was just dropped for like a lot of it. Uh, there are, there are issues with pacing. Mm-hmm. There are issues in the first act. Uh, it's a very slow start. And, uh, like I said, issues with pacing throughout. And once again, I'm giving my initial thoughts here. We'll go into more specifics here in a little bit, but overall just freaking blown away by 80% of this movie just smiled for, for two, almost two and a half hours. Uh, couldn't believe, uh, the direction that they went in with this film. Didn't anticipate it at all. <laughs> um, the word I come up, came up with, uh, for my review was just bold. This is just <clears throat> such a risky way to do this movie. It's just a super, uh, super creative way to go about the Godzilla, yeah. uh, story. And not something that I had anticipated going into it. The addition of the two other kaijus, other <laughs> than Godzilla himself, was an absolute stroke of genius, I felt. Uh, I know there's been a lot of complaints regarding that, that specific issue. But in my personal opinion, uh, it, was, it added such a great uh, element of excitement to the story. And certainly something that wasn't teased in the trailers or anything that completely caught me by surprise and blew me away. And uh, like I said, I have issues with this film that I'll go into here in a minute. But overall, man, just such a great popcorn summer science fiction movie. And uh, the, it's absolutely visually stunning. I mean, mm. one of the best uh, special effects films, uh, large budget special effects films that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it reminded me, I had the same feelings when I first saw Peter Jackson's King Kong, like, a long time ago. It was just, it was super long, you know, almost a three-hour film, and I just yeah. left being like, man, that was worth every minute I, I uh, sat there and watched it. It was just such an achievement and such a creative way to, to go about the story. And so, having said that, I don't know what you guys really thought about it at all. We haven't talked much about it. Uh, whatsoever prior to this review. So, Brian, I'm going to ask you, what are your thoughts initially of Godzilla? Yeah, you know, I've said before, I, I'm i shocked that I was as excited about this as I was because I, I can't, I mean, two years ago, I can't possibly have had any, I can't imagine myself having any excitement about a Godzilla movie. I just, I don't care. I, I've never... Uh, you know, my only real – this is a strange – like the only real experience that I've ever really had with Godzilla, when I was in like seventh grade, my dad had a heart attack and we had to go to the hospital, you know, in the middle of the night. And the – this what was playing on the TV in the, in the lobby while we're up all night, you know, is just Godzilla movies. And that's like the only real um, experience with this – character i guess that i've that i've ever really had i i had not watched the 98 one because i knew it was terrible i i did watch it uh this week just to i don't know make myself hate myself but um so i didn't really have any experience with but i I also didn't care that trailer is amazing 
and this movie just man it lived up to to every expectation that I had can't you write there's some pacing issues in the first the first act especially um it it feels at times a little bit like it's a sequel uh that just kind of has like a like a a prologue attached to the front of it mm-hmm. um to make it the the first movie in a, in, in a franchise so that that's a little bit odd but um Look, I love I love summer blockbuster movies and popcorny films. Um, lo- love that sort of stuff, and I. But I feel like the summer has become more and more about superheroes and uh, and sequels on sequels on sequels and whatnot. And that's fine. I still really love that stuff. But like to me, this is what summer movies are all about. Like yeah. this is this is like a direct descendant for me of from like Jaws and Jurassic Park and and movies like that. Like that's an, an Independence Day even and and I mm-hmm. mean that's a this is what I love about summer and it feels like there it's been a while since we've really had this. Pac Rim tried to do this. I felt like last year to various degrees of success. I mean I liked Pacific Rim, but. Um, I don't think I liked it as much as you did, Kent, and and I don't remember where you fell on that, Richard. But um, anyway, this kind of Godzilla almost drove Pacific Rim completely from my mind. Like mm. this is this is what I want. This is what I this is what I want from this sort of movie. This is a this is a blast. So uh, I, I man, I, I I loved it, and I'm I'm gonna go see it again this weekend. And I don't ever do that. So um, huge huge fan. Yeah, man. Right when this movie ended, all I wanted to do was start over. Just mm-hmm. play it right, play it twice in a row for me. I was like, I was super psyched. My adrenaline was flowing at the end of this movie. Richard, initial yes. thoughts on Godzilla? I, uh, you know, I think I might have overhyped myself over the last mm-hmm. five days. That I mean, I was super excited, and like the five days before I saw it, I was just like, um, so I was like, I was let down, but it, that's so unfair to say towards Godzilla because it's an awesome movie. It, it was a little long for me, um, not to sound like old old codger, but uh, two and a half's tough for me sometimes. Um, but I, the thing that I, I want to focus on, and what you guys said is 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 very spot on, but what, was um, you know th- this director really really directed performances well. Mm-hmm. Um, where it wasn't just like an effects because you know his background is like the what's the what's the monster movie he did Monsters, Monsters. Yeah. yeah Monsters yeah and uh, I don't know if his background is necessarily and granted he had pretty good talent to work with here but I thought the performances were all pretty good yeah um, in this which was a really pleasant uh, surprise uh, the the monsters look great but yeah the 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 only flaw I would say would be the overall length. Um, and Kent, to echo what you were saying, kind of the length of that first act could have been, I mean, obviously yeah. you have a lot of exposition you got to throw down considering the way they just chose to tell the stories with the, the 1930s. And then, you know, um, you have to get a lot of stuff done there, but I don't know. I felt like it could have been tighter. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, the majority of the complaints have been with pacing, mm-hmm. um, with this film, such a polarizing movie. This is the only movie that we've reviewed on this podcast where listeners are already emailing in their comments on it before we've even really? posted our review. So I want to read uh, some listener comments and have you guys give your thoughts on these comments. Uh, this is uh, our guy, Donovan Hunter, who uh, is a really avid listener and uh, messages quite often. 
He uh, asked what we thought of Godzilla. He said, I thought it was just okay. It really could have been better. I'm sick of these cash grab movies like <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 2 and now Godzilla. These studios who have rights to intellectual property, they make a movie with Godzilla in it, and it's not a Godzilla movie. Sony just made a movie with a real-life couple with Spider-Man in it, and it was crap. And uh, he goes on to say, the main problem I had with it was all the cutaways from the action. Don't show me monsters about to clash and then cut away to humans. By the third time they did that, I was really annoyed. Everything about this movie is money, and it's really starting to show. Actors uh, have to get enough screen time, but I think the title character should get the most screen time, not the least. So mm-hmm. what are your guys' uh, thoughts on Donovan's thoughts? I think, uh, you know, I, I understand that. As I was watching it, I could feel like in my brain almost like I had to make a decision whether I liked this or not, you know, because you could tell pretty early I think that's going to be the approach. We're not going to get good shots of Godzilla until we get closer towards the end. And I feel like you could tell there wasn't going to be a major confrontation or a battle until we got a little bit closer to the end. And personally, I loved that. I thought that uh, the director, Gareth Edwards, is the guy we're talking about. I thought that was a stroke of genius. I thought he built it uh, quite wonderfully, actually, to get to that point where you're – you spend like almost an hour anticipating seeing Godzilla. And that – I think that's a – I think that's genius. I think that's – and he did it – to me, he did it so well. Um, and then you get the reveal and it's great. And then you, you know, you get some cutaways. It's, it's a tease, but to me, the difference between like, I guess for me, the difference between me and what I'm, what, and what our, our listener feels on that is the tease pays off in spades at the end. Cause the, once you do get Godzilla and you do get these battles and stuff like that, it's awesome. And it's so, I think it's, incredibly well uh done and well well uh made the cgi is spectacular the shots look great and the God- godzilla himself looks amazing just yeah. is so great so i love that i and i think like i think we're we're arguing two sides of the same coin you know it's the it, this the experience is is going to depend on your um your take on it but i i did not feel like any way that it was a cash grab i just think Look, we're going to build suspense throughout the movie and build anticipation for the monster. And to me, it worked perfectly. If it didn't work for you, then I, you know, I can see that. I can understand that for sure. But man, it 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 hit the mark perfectly for me. Richard, any thoughts on what Donovan had to say about the characters? <sighs> it's a, it's a valid point, um, and I, I did appreciate. I think the director had a pretty, you know, I complained about the pacing of the overall of the film in general. Uh, but I think well, I keep. I feel stupid saying the director. What's his name? Gareth Gar- Edwards. Yeah, Gareth Edwards, Mister Edwards. Um, I think uh, that did an excellent job, uh, kind of building up these kind of mini climaxes throughout the movie, mm-hmm. um, yep. and you know why that's probably annoying to forty eight percent of people. I think fifty two percent of people kind of enjoy that viscerally, like the kind of up and down, up and down, and it just makes you want it more. Mm-hmm. Um so I but I think, you know, our, our the the dear the dear listener, uh Donovan, the Irish Dylan. Um, <laughs> you know, like I said, forty eight percent of people it's going to annoy. He's just not forty eight percent and I think that's fine and I get that. It's it's valid. Um but I think that's a choice you make um to kind of <sighs> this movie you know, 
really showed a kind of an interesting dynamic structure in the way it was told. And I th- thought that that was one of the things I really liked about it, um, despite the kind of overall length of the entire thing. If that makes any sense. Right. Yeah. I want to mention uh, another message we got regarding this film uh, from our boy Daniel Ford from, from England, who is uh, also one of our avid listeners. Um, he says, hi, guys. I was generally unimpressed by Godzilla. If you're going to slow a monster movie's pace down, you'd better have some tense action scenes. Also, the big payoff fight wasn't that good. In my mm-hmm. opinion, the best monster versus monster fight ever is still King Kong versus the T-Rex. Um, you know what? I love you. I love you, Daniel. You're my boy. Uh, but I, I couldn't disagree with you more on the uh, notion that this movie didn't have tense action scenes. Totally. Because I- this movie is... All tense action scenes. I mean, yeah. in between the character stuff, all it is 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 great, spectacularly done action scenes. Uh, even the scenes that don't involve Godzilla himself are spectacularly executed. Uh, for example, the opening sequence with Brian Cranston and his wife, and his wife being caught in the corridor, and uh, him mm-hmm. having to close the door possibly uh, before the smoke comes, you know, through the door. Uh, Beautifully executed, very Spielberg esque um, mm-hmm. in the beginning, and like you guys mentioned, that it's just a build up to the to reveal of Godzilla. It's very similar to Jaws, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jaws would have never worked had the mechanical shark been functional when they started filming. You know, the right. reveal of Jaws comes you know over midway through the film or whatever, but that's because it had to be that way because they literally didn't have a shark to show. Right, and ultimately it worked beautifully uh, with that movie, and this sort of does the same thing, you know. Um, with a movie like Godzilla, and these big sort of monster epic uh, disaster films, the biggest risk is overexposure of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Totally, you never want the audience to get tired of of seeing Godzilla on the screen. Uh huh. And yeah. I counted in this movie. Uh, <laughs> I like to do the. Puff Daddy quote, by the way, if you didn't catch that. Um, you In this movie, I counted three times in the entire two-and-a-half-hour length of the film that we see Godzilla full frame. Right. That we see the yep. entire body of Godzilla. And I think yep. that was a beautiful choice as totally. well by the director. Totally. Uh, they did such a, such a fantastic job, in my opinion, of, of the scale of the creature and uh, the, the realistic sense of it. Like, this movie is all CGI – but it didn't feel like CGI at all. No, like it had it had weight, Kent. I yes, mean, that's, yes, that's the difference. It's uh, Godzilla felt like a real thing, <laughs> and the 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 moths or whatever they were also had that same. And that's man, that's I think that's the mark of good CGI because you man, that's so hard to do. And uh, you, you felt you felt the weight and you felt the scale of Godzilla every time he was on the screen. Totally, yeah. Uh, in the first act, or the end of the first act, I should say, when um, when they go to sort of the excavation site, mm-hmm. and we see uh, this uh, pod or cocoon like um, creature thing, and uh, the the moth type kaiju breaks out of the shell. I was anticipating Godzilla to break out of the shell there. Yeah, I think we all were until yeah. you started seeing the the the. It looked until the the like the arm the came arm out. yeah um yeah totally when that happened 
and the kaiju, they show it from afar, and the kaiju sort of like looks up in the sky and then flies away, and that's the end of the scene. I want it to stand up and go, oh, yeah! You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. It was just, I, I was like so freaking pumped, pumped up at where this movie was headed. And um, like I said, just such a bold way to do it. Absolutely, and that's and then they add another kaiju that's not Godzilla. After that, a male female uh, aspect to this, a male uh, female, like they're trying to mate or whatever, right. and such a bold way to do it because the notion of Godzilla doesn't have to be evil. You know, yes. <laughs> I never thought that that was a possibility or that that could even work until I saw it happen on screen. Um, you want to head into spoiler territory right now. Sure. Yeah. So spoilers coming up right now for Godzilla. Um, speaking of bold, killing off Cranston in the first act. <laughs> holy crap. Never saw that coming as well. Uh, this is clearly post-breaking bad Cranston when he signed on or mid-breaking bad Cranston. So it's not like they didn't know what they were getting here. It's not like yeah. they cast him before Breaking Bad and then like, oh, man, we totally underutilized Cranston. Uh, yeah, to me, that was an example of this is Godzilla movie. This is not mm-hmm. Cranston movie. And mm-hmm. I, I had a feeling that was coming when I, when the opening credits rolled through and you know, we get all the, the names of the actors and then it's, and Brian Cranston. I was like, Oh, okay. Brian Cranston's going to die pretty early in this. Uh-huh. Like that's, that was the, but before the, but you know, from the trailers and whatnot, I did not have that feeling. Yeah. Same with me, Richard. What'd you think about killing off Cranston? Did you expect it? Brian, I kind of had the same feeling as you when I saw the and Brian uh-huh. Cranston. Um, I, it wasn't. I, I wouldn't say I was surprised or uh, did I expect it though. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, this is where this is going. Then, uh, yeah, no, I agree. It was good. <laughs> um, I honestly, there's a part of me that 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 couldn't believe that they'd killed him off, and I thought maybe there was a possibility he would come back at the end or something. Like he he never died, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he comes back and ends up being the one that knows how to defeat Godzilla. Uh, clearly I was wrong, but what did you guys think of Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen together? Brian. Yeah, they were good. Uh, not enough Elizabeth Olsen. Mm-hmm. I, I really like her quite a bit. And uh, I mean, she's, I think she's an outstanding actress and she's gorgeous. Um, and it's nice to see her playing someone who's normal. Cause it's usually someone who's like just gotten out of a cult or, uh, is about to be terrorized at, in a home invasion or something like that. So it was uh, it was good to see her play something normal. I, I, for me, that was one of the the few uh, I don't know downsides to the movie was um, you've cast this this spectacular actress and then she's she's really not asked to do much. So I would have liked to see more from her. But uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson was good, and I I've, I've never been a huge fan of his. Um, so that's he he was he played the. I think Richard hit it on the head. Like, none of the actors are asked to do just a whole lot. It's not an actor's movie, but um, I think Edwards directed it, directed the 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 actors quite well, and got uh, good stuff out of out of all of them in roles that could have easily been uh, complete mail it in, throw away sorts of uh, sorts of performances. And that only for me, it only added to the intensity and the tension of the the film as a whole. Something else Donovan said regarding this movie that I disagree that I disagree with. I um, he said there weren't enough monster scenes, and this could have easily been a rental. I Oof. I completely disagree Man. with the notion that you could 
get the same feeling towards this movie watching no. it on a 40 inch screen. No, uh, not at all. Not at all. There was the, some of the action sequences were just fantastic, as I alluded to. Uh, specifically, the sequence on the train tracks, the suspended train tracks. The soldiers are looking after the, or looking for the missile, I should say, uh, was fantastic. Uh, the first reveal we get of Godzilla um, is definitely an homage to Jaws. Uh, the overhead shot of the aircraft carrier with Godzilla swimming under the aircraft carrier. Yeah. It's clearly an homage to the Jaws swimming under the Orca from Jaws. I thought that was brilliantly done and uh cool little um cool little nod to Spielberg. This movie's chock full of Spielberg face. Not sure if you're familiar with that, but uh look that up on on <laughs> on the internet. Um it's a method of of shooting characters as they're reacting to something happening uh, off screen. So there's plenty of those moments here. Sure. Uh, this movie is definitely, it feels like a combination of Jaws, Jurassic Park, and War of the Worlds put into one movie. <laughs> um, yeah. The Golden Great Bridge sequence was freaking fantastic as well. Yeah. I can go on, guys. Um, <laughs> like, there wasn't an action sequence that I did not like in this movie. Uh, there was probably a few non-action sequences that I could have that could have been cut out, you know, mm -hmm. and, and would have helped the pacing. But uh, I saw this with my father, and he was like, he really got into the characters of this movie more than he expected to do. Uh, the the notion of Aaron Taylor Johnson's character coming across the little Asian kid on the train, or having to mm. you know watch after him, uh, maybe unnecessary, but it hammers home the fact, uh, and he he brought this up to me that no person is too small. With, with this, you know, uh, yeah, no, no person is insignificant. I, you know? I think that that that's a great point, Kent, and it, it's one that I've seen expressed in other reviews and whatnot. But um, it, it bears mentioning, you know, last summer we the the big the big issue that a lot of people had with our summer blockbusters was what we term destruction porn. You know, we're just like cities are just getting completely waylaid, and there's no um, repercussion or consequence for that. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't necessarily care <laughs> about that. It, to me, that's, that's a, you know, that's an action movie trope that we've been doing for years and years. And I don't, it doesn't really bother me. Um, but I get the, the argument against that. And then when you, but when you see a movie like this, that I, I really think, um, I, I, I kind of feel like that overload from last summer um, was in the back of, of the director's mind uh, w when they did this because it – yes, city of San Francisco is, is being destroyed um, and Vegas gets a, gets a shot of it as well and, and Honolulu and um, there's a lot of that going on. But it, it felt to me like there was a value placed on human life that a movie yes. like – Man of Steel, especially, but even like Star Trek Into Darkness and a lot of, and Pacific Rim, a lot of the movies that we got last summer um, did not have. And I think it's those little moments, like what you mentioned, Kent, with with the little kid, with uh, the soldier grabbing this kid and helping him find his parents, and um, and little bits like that that I think kind of amplified the desire to not just have like catastrophic human death without any sort of thought or consequence 
to that. And I, I commend Edwards for, for, for doing that. And I didn't expect that in a movie that if any of these sorts of movies can get away with that, it should be Godzilla, right? Cause that's like the classic Godzilla. He just destroys a city. So you could totally get away with that in this one. And yet they, they kind of took the time to um, build a little bit more from a, um, I would say a morally substantial place than Man of Steel or, or some of these other movies that we've, we've talked about. Absolutely. This movie did apocalyptic destruction better than any movie I've seen, maybe ever. Yeah. Uh, even better than Spielberg's War of the Worlds. And, and, totally. And that movie has a lot of faults with character development and just mm-hmm. caring about what happens. And, and the ending is just you know another conversation. But uh, this one just trumps it in in every way, in my opinion. Another nod to Spielberg in this film. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's character is named Brody Ford. Clearly an <laughs> homage to Roy Schneider's Officer yeah. Brody in, uh, in Jaws. And uh, Ford, my dad made the point of his character's name is Ford because Ford's goal was to de- de- defeat the Japanese monster. So that's a cool little <laughs> observation as well. Uh, man, just, there's so many things that to look into with this movie. And we're talking about a freaking summer blockbuster here, guys. Yeah. And we're talking about character development and like cool, you know, Easter eggs almost. We don't get those things normally with these movies. No. This is not a cash grab. I don't see how this is a cash grab at all. They, they clearly took time to think things out and to do something that nobody would expect. Um, so I just don't, understand that opinion and do you i mean do you think do you feel like it's a cash grab at all not, a, not at all i think it's a really original uh reinvention um is it perfect no but i mean uh it's it's you know it's someone's homage to these type of movies you know i i don't no, I don't see that at all. Speaking of money, it did make quite a bit. I mean, it was yeah, a success. Yes. It did, in fact, grab a lot of cash. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think that was the sole intent. Obviously, the studio put a lot of money into the film and thus expects that in return. But I think people were just ready for this again. And uh, no, I think this director, uh, this is a really cool uh, original movie with plenty of homage, not, not only to Spielberg and things like that, but to. You know, with a lot of love towards the original Godzilla films, which is yeah. kind of nice. And uh, no, I, I disagree with that cash grab assessment quite a bit. This is the yeah. legendary pictures property, uh, legendary, the studio behind Pacific Rim as well last summer. And so one can only hope, me, that we get a Pac Rim Godzilla crossover film, <laughs> which how freaking awesome would that be uh, for the, for the Pac Rim sequel? Is legendary now officially the anti summit? I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Summit Entertainment, our favorite studio. Uh, <laughs> if you didn't to know. Be fair, to be fair, a good dump is also the <laughs> anti-Summit. So. The, the, the studio behind such gyms as Twilight, Now You See Me, and Draft Day, yeah. uh, among, among others. <laughs> Three, I think so. the, two of those are, the, I think, the highest, highest movie, movies in the history of this, this show. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. People You're not wrong. To those. It's, it's funny. So, hey, by the way. I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday morning. Uh, quick deviation. You think you guys think Sonny helped uh, his neighbors in Cleveland get the number one pick? <laughs> Obviously. Okay. Obviously, that's what happened. Uh, go listen to our draft day episode if you haven't. Please. If you haven't done that. One of my Sorry. favorite episodes we've ever done. Sorry for all the yelling. On a tangent, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was a big fan of Pac Rim last year. 
Brian, but I had the same thoughts as you after I saw Godzilla. Um, just even the scale is just done much more effectively here. Yeah. And that was what I was most impressed with, with pac was, um, you know, shooting things from the ground up, mm-hmm. uh, was a, was a great choice. One of my favorite, um, scenes in this movie is where people are in the airport and, uh, Godzilla sort of walks on the runway Yeah, and you just see the giant legs walking across the runway. I thought that was a really, really cool shot. And then you see Vin Diesel and the gang. <laughs> Flying a plane, yeah. For Flying a plane, driving across minutes. Him. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that the crossover cool. we need. Right yeah. <laughs> we can only hope. Seriously, we can only <laughs> There's pray and hope for that. The only way we can fill Paul Walker's shoes is with Godzilla. I would say. <laughs> I passed on my way to Fort Worth, by the way, uh, for our basketball league, Brian. Yeah. I passed a rest in peace Paul Walker bumper sticker, and I gave the guy just a subtle slow yeah. nod of the head. That's right. He showed never some turn respect. your back on family. Did you, uh, did you make sure he was living his life quarter mile at a time? <laughs> we, were, I, we were going a quarter mile at a time down the freeway. There was a lot of traffic. Cool. Awesome. Uh, so let's, go, let's talk about the final act, guys. Let's talk about the yeah. ending here. Um, bold, I use that word again, but the fact that you don't have to kill Godzilla in this movie and for the ending to still work, yeah. uh, hugely satisfying for me as a moviegoer. Right. Uh, definitely didn't see that one coming, and... You know, you, you get the tease at the end of Bill, when, when uh, Godzilla defeats the final kaiju by blowing fire into his uh, mouth and then ripping his head off. Freaking awesome, uh, awesome defeat of that monster. By the way, holding the atomic breath until yeah. within the last 15 minutes of the movie was, was a cool choice. I yes. liked that. Because yeah. I kind of, you know, I mean, I know a little bit about Godzilla, but I, I had... By that point, I had forgotten he has this sort of power, and he did that, and I was like, whoa, that was awesome. So great great choice there uh, for me. And there are teasers to sequels here. I mean, it's obviously set up for a sequel. I mean, not a cash grab, really, and because you know they set it up that way before they knew how much money this was going to make. But with the eggs, you know, we get a glimpse of, of a sack of Godzilla kaiju eggs uh, a couple of times in the movie. Mm-hmm. Never fleshed that idea out in this film, which I was happy with. I thought they were going to go that route towards the end, uh, like the 90, 1998 Gosh. Godzilla did. Um, and Brian, uh, before we go into more talk about the ending, just give us your thoughts on 1998 Godzilla, <laughs> which you had never seen until this past week. Uh, what are oh, your, you had never seen what it? What did you think I, of it? I, don't I thought think you had I'd forgotten about it. it. Oh, no, wow. I, it's, I mean, it's possible, but I'm, I have a pretty good memory for that sort of thing, and I, I don't think I've ever, I've ever seen it. So, yeah, I, I, I rented it from – because, again, I will, I'm the Tom Cruise of this podcast. I will do anything <laughs> for the listener. Um, yeah, I rented it, and, uh, and it's horrible. I mean, it's a <laughs> – it's easily one of the worst, uh, one of the worst blockbuster sort of movies I've I've ever seen. It's terrible. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, just just awful. Matthew Broderick looks like the love child of J.J. Abrams and uh, Rick Moranis. Um, <laughs> and I don't mean that as a compliment. Yeah. Sorry, Matthew Broderick. <laughs> no, it, it's just it's horrible. It's like all the things that you don't like about Roland Emmerich's films that he usually. I feel like at least trumps enough with the good stuff or the in- exciting stuff that you kind of forget about it. You know, like there's a lot of issues with Independence Day, right? There's no question mm-hmm. about that. But I love Independence Day because there's so much fun um, associated with that movie. There's no fun associated with this movie, and you still have 
the bad dialogue, the bad pacing, the, I mean, just atrocious CGI. Like, some of the worst CGI I've ever seen. The Godzilla himself looks like a, it's a Jurassic Park ripoff. It just looks like T-Rex with some scales sticking up out of the back. Mm -hmm. Um, The babies look like velociraptors, exactly like velociraptors. I mean, it's... It's horrible. I, I I would love for you guys to go and watch it because the uh, just for the just for the dialogue because and you just soundtrack. have like yeah and the the soundtrack's great and I think we all agree on that. Um, <laughs> no, but the dialogue is atrocious and you just have like Hank Azaria and Harry Shearer and um, but they're all I don't know. It, it's very. It's 98, but it feels like it's 94. Does there's that make no, sense? Like, there's no Dan Castellaneta sighting? I, I mean, he may have been the voice of Godzilla. I'm not really <laughs> sure. I never, saw, I never saw him on screen. So the girl who plays Matthew Broderick's uh, muse, like, never did a movie again. So Broderick hasn't uh, done anything, really, since that. That, like, ruined I, his career, didn't it? I, I think it was... Uh, producers helped. Yeah. Brought him back I, in. The, I, the I think play, it was the partly by choice. Oh, producers. Of, yeah, that's right. After doing this, it was you know what I'm going to go do Broadway because this is just if yeah. this is where movies are going, I don't I don't want to be a part of that. So um, it's terrible. It's 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 not fun to watch, but I I would love for you guys to see it just so we could talk about the dialogue because it's whew, it's something else. I haven't seen that movie since 1998 when I saw it in the theater, and I remember specifics about it. Like it was mm. that bad and that impressionably bad on me when I was. Uh, quite young uh, in middle school. So, wow, such a bad movie. And, uh, you know, this is just, you can't even think about that movie after seeing this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, the honest just, trailer you sent for that, uh, you sent to us for that, for 98 Godzilla yeah. is hilarious and spot on. They're, those guys are usually pretty, pretty right, but um, this that one in particular was like, okay, yep, that's exactly right. Like, <laughs> everything, oh, it's so bad, so bad. Yeah. So the ending of this film, uh, what did you guys think of it? When Godzilla comes back to life, uh, which I didn't expect again, I thought once Mm -hmm. he was dead, he was dead. Um, Pretty surprising. And the fact that he comes back to life and just goes back into the ocean, like the fact that he only appears when he needs to come out and defend something, or like Ken Watanabe's character uh, alludes to, which, by the way, great performance by him. Uh, and yeah, but Tally Hawkins is, is okay too. How is Ken Watanabe's English getting worse? <laughs> oh, I thought it was. I thought it was getting better. He's, he's compared Sammy to so Inception. Good. Inception's the worst, but he like Last Samurai was decent. Uh huh. Yeah. I feel I, like it depends on what he's going for. I think he was going okay. going for the the guy that has to say Godzilla, you know, in this movie. Yeah. So I think that's that was sort of part of his character. But I found him much more audible than uh in in movies past but (laughs) like he alluded to godzilla only appeared to set the balance or to uh to get rid of the kaiju that had um had shown up so i think that was a a great move again by the filmmakers the fact that godzilla is on our side Mm -hmm. never thought that would happen um with this film and the closing shot of godzilla going back into the water and just the shot of the ocean the movie ends it was Beautifully executed, in my opinion. Uh, what did y'all think of the ending, Brian? Yeah, I agree. I loved it. I thought it was a. I, I thought it was a good way to close. A good way to send us off to whatever the sequel is going to be. Um, yeah, great, great, uh, great job there, and and surprising too. I, I was I was 
I was surprised by the I thought he was going to be dead. I really did. So yeah. I thought we were going to get a shot of an egg or something like that. Uh-huh. And that would be how we moved to the sequel. So, yeah, that was a that was a good a strong move. Uh, Richard, third, third act thoughts. I've, I'll be brief. I was uh, very you're really one. You're one that uh, usually dislikes third acts and blockbusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, was this one any different for you? Any yeah, better? It was. For you? It kept me guessing, and I have this weird uh, attachment to like animal characters, of which I consider Godzilla to be one. And mm-hmm. so I found myself very relieved he wasn't dead. Not to be too much of a girl, but I was like, oh, good. Hey, he's still. Look, you know? you're ta- you're talking to uh, the person, the, the kid who who cried when the ant died at the end of uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kid. So I'm I'm with you. <laughs> I, I, I got your back. Exactly. Well, you're talking to the guy who still cries in School of Rock. So. <laughs> 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 This has been the manliest podcast of all time. <laughs> uh, You're talking, by the uh-huh. way, for those of you yeah. who don't know, Richard's alluding to the uh, final concert scene of School of Rock. Gets me every uh, time. And if you want to be the teacher's pet. <laughs> Sing it, Richard. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, School of Rock throwback episode needs <laughs> oh, to happen, by the way. You made can't. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've ruined you. Uh, but guys, we've been, we've been discussing this for like nine hours now. So let's move on to grades. Brian, grade for Godzilla. You know, I debated the, when I wrote my review, uh, which you can find on cambabiesdrinkredbull.com, I, uh, I debated A versus A minus. Um, I went with A, and the more we've talked about it today, I am I'm feel good about that. I'm going to stick with my, my A grade. Yeah, I get it. I give it an A minus just because of the first act. I, I was in the theater, and I was sitting there thinking, when, when is this going to get going? Uh, had that not happened, this would have been a, definitely a solid, solid A for me. Uh, like I said, I, I saw it and I just wanted to see it again immediately, which is a, f- a feeling for somebody who sees well over 100 films a year in the theater, uh, a feeling that I rarely have anymore, So, especially with blockbusters. So uh, mm-hmm. that, that justifies my A-. Uh, Richard? You know, I think I came into this podcast, um, I was going to go B+, but I think the more you guys have made me appreciate this a little more, I'm going to go A- as well. Sweet, cool. Talking wow. about it has helped, man. Yeah. And hey, thanks to our thanks to our listeners for sending in their their comments and stuff. I mean, we we totally we disagreed with them, obviously, but um, but we we like that 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 back and forth, that dialogue. So Absolutely, maybe and we swayed them a little bit in our favor as well. But regardless, it was it was cool to have that. Speak part. for yourselves. They need to stay in their holes where they belong. <laughs> so yeah, if you got a thought about any film that we've done in the past, even. Uh, that you'd like us to uh, address or, you know, a movie that's coming out soon or whatever, feel free to come to our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com, click contact, and uh, send us a message. We very often shout you out on the show and discuss your questions, so uh, keep that coming. Uh, we appreciate uh, the people that did that this week. So, guys, let's move on, and let's do Weekly Recommends. Weekly Recommends. Okay, guys, I will kick things off. For this week, uh, I'm going to recommend a comedy series that premiered this year. Uh, highly anticipated, uh, for me at least, and a uh, big fan of this uh, guy's work, uh, all his previous stuff. I'm going to recommend it. took me a while to decide when I was going to recommend this, but it has reached the point where I feel it is uh, deserving of a recommend. I'm going to recommend HBO's Silicon Valley, uh, the new series from Mike Judge who is the genius behind such things as King of the Hill, Beavis and Butthead, uh, Office Space, and Idiocracy, among others. Uh, has a very Office Space vibe. 
Uh, it's sort of office space meets uh, the social network, uh, if you can imagine that. A r- pretty freaking funny show. Uh, the season finale is this coming Sunday, and uh, each episode is 30 minutes long, so it's not uh, not something that's going to consume a lot of your time if you want to catch up this week before, prior to the season finale. Uh, really, really funny characters, extremely well-written. Uh, some breakout stars uh, in this show. It features uh, Martin Starr, who I was, have always been a fan of. Um, he stars in uh, Freaks and Geeks and uh, Party Down, if you're familiar with those shows. I love Party Down. Yeah, absolutely great. Uh, Thomas Middleditch, uh, who hasn't been in much, but he's the main character, whose name is Richard. Richard, so you'll like that. Um, there's this guy named T.J. Miller, who has um, also not been in a lot of stuff. He was in Cloverfield. He was the cameraman in Cloverfield. Yeah. And uh, He's been and in some comedies. He's been in he's How funny. to Train Your Dragon, Unstoppable. Uh, he is freaking hilarious, man. And this guy is, like I said, uh, he's like the next Seth Rogen, in my opinion. <laughs> no, he, he, I mean, he is just... A naturally witty person, and he can make something funny that's not funny. You know, a line that's not funny, funny. Um, he is uh, fantastic. Uh, Kumail Nanjini is great as well, who is one of the funniest people on Twitter. If you uh, don't follow him on Twitter, I suggest doing that. Um, so, like I said, Mike judges Silicon Valley on HBO. There are seven episodes so far, and the uh, season premiere, I mean, season finale, I should say, is this coming Sunday. It's an eight episode season it has gotten picked up for season two so it's not something you're going to watch and then you know it's not going to go anywhere so at least you have another season to look forward to so um yeah i recommend checking out uh silicon valley and by the way it's about a tech startup uh company similar to what you do richard uh in real life and uh, they're sort of sort of breaking into the internet business and competing against the big heads like uh the googles and oracles of the world uh, so, really cool little fun story with interesting characters, and I think y'all find it uh, pretty humorous. So, Silicon Valley gets my recommend for this week. Have you guys seen any episodes yet? I haven't. None? I have watched a piece of one or one episode that's popped up a couple times on HBO Go, um, but I haven't. I've been watching another HBO series, um, comedy Real series sex. that. I, yeah, obviously, <laughs> that I'll recommend uh, at a later date. But uh, so I haven't quite. But I'm I'm excited for Silicon Valley. I've heard good things, and so your recommend is only uh, solidifying those thoughts in my mind. I will it, watch that at some. It point. also stars Zach Woods, who our listeners might know his work from The Office. He played Gabe on The Office, okay. and his character in Silicon Valley is just as creepy and weird as <laughs> Gabe is. So uh, that alone uh, is a reason to watch if you're a fan of The Office. Um, more shenanigans from him. So, yeah, Silicon Valley, check it out. Brian, recommend. Yeah, I'm going to also give you a, a comedy series uh, that is on Netflix. It originally premiered on, I believe, the Sundance channel. It is called The Writer's Room with Jim Yeah. Rash. Have you guys, uh, you guys watched any of this? I saw yet? the Breaking Bad episode okay. on Netflix. Um, a lot of other episodes that interested me, but I wasn't. I hadn't seen the whole series of those shows. I didn't want to spoil right. anything or yeah, yeah. But so uh, it's it's only the first season. It's six episodes long. It's very similar to uh, well, I wouldn't say very similar. It's kind of the same idea as like Dinner for Five, which is amazing, and mm-hmm. we should totally bring back at some point. Um, 
it's it's Jim Rash who plays Dean Pelton on Community. He also wrote The Way Way Back, which was my favorite movie of oh, did last he? year. Yeah, I didn't know he wrote yeah. that. Great. Him and Nat Faxon, and he he's got an Oscar for The Descendants. Um, oh wow! Great, great writer. Um, he's kind of a goofy looking dude, but basically he's just it's just him sitting in a room at a table with uh, the writing staff from six different popular TV shows. They do like uh, Breaking Bad, New Girl, Game of Thrones. Uh, Parks and Recreation, and then like like Dexter and American Horror Story. I think is the sixth one. Right. Um, and all it is is him just asking questions about how they wrote the show and specific moments within the show. And um, it's really really interesting because I think we're all kind of we're well we're all interested in that side of the creative process. I think. Um, and so it's it's really cool to see the different personalities and the way they show up. And especially if you, like, really are into those shows, it's so interesting to me to see, like, the personality of the creator and the, the writers and, like, how they relate to the show. You know what I mean? Like, when you uh-huh. see some writer from Parks and Recreation that you've never seen before in your life and he starts talking and you're like, oh, like, this guy's right. Like, you can almost hear the dialogue, like, what he's saying in this interview coming through the voice of, like, Aziz or Ron Swanson or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really interesting. I did not watch. I watched four of the six episodes because I, I'm not a Dexter or American Horror Story fan, but I watched uh, the Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, New Girl, Parks and Rec. Uh, they're all like 20 or 25 minutes long. And he has different questions and bits for each of them. Like it's not like stock interview almost. You know, you're getting. Um, with each one, he asked them to do like something different, and I think with like the new girl, they did like a like a writing exercise on camera, and did some really funny stuff. But uh, I watched the whole series in in a you know two hours one afternoon, and it's and it's really cool. I would I highly recommend it if you're interested in the writing side of the creative process. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Bo Willimon, who he's having on for House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming yeah. up so highly anticipated for me i was going to recommend this show as well brian i, I just discovered it a few weeks ago uh so i'm sure it would have eventually made it onto my recommends but yeah, yeah definitely a, a recommend for me as well i can i can back up your your thoughts uh, richard have you seen it at all i did not even know it existed until just now so i'm i, I will be i will probably hammer through it in the next day or two definitely that's check right it up, out man you'll love right it, up my yeah. alley yeah yeah, yeah you, you'll love it no question i think uh richard what's your recommend yeah, I'm going to do uh, one I've probably done before in, in years past on the show, but a uh, new season started. Uh, another comedy show for, for you guys. that uh, It's it's Louie. I'm going to recommend some Louie. I know nice. you're a fan. Nice. Um, we're back on and, and uh, a little different this season, and he definitely had more time to prepare it. You can kind of tell because he took last season off, pulled a little Larry David action, and uh, – and uh, the, so far, the results have been great. We're you know we're getting to a night. I know Kent, you've you're a fan. Mm-hmm. Brian, you watch right? Are yeah, I've really watched a couple of times. I don't watch uh, each. You know, I don't watch religiously. Yeah. or Whatever. Um, eventually, I will. It's just one of those. You know, yeah. carving out time for all of the TV in the world oh, is difficult. No. But we all eventually, make, I will definitely get to it. We all make choices, and honestly, we're all heroes for what for right. the, the choices we make. Yeah, uh, look, I got to watch Grimm. I don't have time for Louis. You know? <laughs> He's not kidding, um, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be mine. I mean, I think uh, anyone doesn't know it. It's just kind of a kind of vignette version of uh, kind of a fake version of Louis C.K. or kind of real version, depending on your point of view. And there's stand up mixed in, and it's uh, really kind of funny, interesting, kind of I think really unique 
uh, comedy show. And uh, probably the closest thing structurally would be Seinfeld, but even that is kind of a stretch. So uh, pretty unique in terms of form. Um, and so uh, that that's what we could recommend. Yeah, Sweet. you can definitely tell that he took time to think things out with this season so yeah. far. Uh, much more artistic this year mm-hmm. than, yeah. it, than in years past. Uh, much more thought put into shot composition and editing and, and things like that. Uh, just, man, he's... He, it's he has so many fans now. I mean, I'm surprised he doesn't Kickstarter or something three, four million and go make a feature. Oh, he can do it, man. He, he released his uh, stand-up on his website and it made like yeah. $2 million in like 12 hours or something yeah. like that. Like, he's just got his fans... Uh, um, around his uh, around his hand, he's got him in the palm of his of his hand, and he he can do anything he he wants to do uh, really comedically. Now he has the freedom to do that. Uh, I still would like to see him do a network TV show, late night show, something uh, eventually. Uh, hopefully, it's headed that way. You know, the Craig Ferguson job is open, uh, Louis. If you want it, uh, just saying. <laughs> but yeah, I can recommend that as well, and. All the other previous seasons are on Netflix, too, I should say, if you want to ch- catch up before the new stuff. It's not really a show you have to watch every episode to know what's going on, and it's very independently uh, structured. So, cool. Good recommend. Uh, good good stuff, guys. Uh, well, Brian, let me ask you this. Where can I find your work on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter at bgill 12 and you can find my writing at CanBabiesDrinkRedBull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden. Kent, where might I find your sweet little self? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison and find our show online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find all of our weekly recommends on there. Find all of our episodes on there. And once again, contact us uh, via the website as well. And on that note, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. This is a no God's love This is a no God's love song.